Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Happy holiday season. Happy Saturday morning, Syracuse. This is Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Got you from 9 until 10. Drew Carter alongside J.D. Rachi breaking down Syracuse sports, Syracuse recruiting, everything around SU athletics here on the Hill. And a big week for us, J.D., here at the Fizz. Earlier Fizzmas, this week, baby. on Wednesday, it was Fizzmas, the early signing day. Comes a little bit earlier on the calendar now as of a few years ago, um, when they changed the National Signing Day from all in February, and then they gave recruits a chance to do it in December. Basically, everyone does it in December now. Yeah, there's really not too many that, that don't do it in in December. Only one Syracuse holdover to February. That'll be Dorian Hewitt, a safety out of Texas. Outside of that, 17 signees for Syracuse. Pretty good recruiting class. Yeah, so Syracuse brings in those 16 signatures, like you said, 17 signatures when you include Jawar Jordan, a guy who was initially committed in 2018, now committed in 2019, a very speedy running back. And there are a lot of exciting guys in this class, even though it checks in at only number 13 out of 14 ACC teams, which is, yes, second to last above only Louisville, who brought in a laughing stock of a recruiting class I on believe Wednesday. as of yesterday there were five commits. Five recruits. That is subject That's to change. That's not good. And God, for Louisville fans' sake, I hope that does change because five recruits is honestly just sad. We were a little upset when we saw, oh my gosh, there's only 16, 17 in the Syracuse class. Yeah. Then you look at Louisville, five. Five. This Louisville. is a team a couple of years ago that was had Lamar Jackson. Top five in the country. <laughs> had Lamar Jackson and at one point was in the CFP yeah. conversation in the middle part of his junior year. I, I mean, talk about a program that has fallen. Yeah, talk about falling off a cliff. That's Louisville. But for Syracuse to be ahead of that only one program, I think a lot of SU fans would say that's a little bit disappointing. I mean, consider this, J.D. They finished with the second-best record in the ACC this season and, according to 24-7 Sports, the second-worst recruiting class in the following cycle. But I love what Dino Baber says about this. He says you've got to remember that the first half of this class committed before the 2018 season even began. So they didn't see that success. They were relying on that belief without evidence that he always preached. And then in that second half of the class, you saw some of the marquee guys come through. And that's what you like to see because you now have the winning culture, the winning program at Syracuse. That's when you're going to start to get the more marquee guys, the Michael Joneses, Michael Joneses, the Lee Cobas, the Cornelius Nuns to recommit after decommitting from Miami and all kinds of stuff that went into his decision. But either way, some of your upper echelon guys, those are the guys you got later in this recruiting cycle later and closer to Fismas, closer to National Signing Day, and that's exactly what you want to see because it's you're starting to reap the benefits of having such a great season and you're building the program for the future. Yeah, just to put this in perspective a little bit, so the top three guys on 24-7's composite ratings in Syracuse's class, they all play defense. Michael Jones, Lee, Lee Koba, a couple of linebackers, and then Cornelius Nunn, a safety. They all signed in late November, so they signed between the Notre Dame and the Boston College game. I know the Notre Dame game didn't go very well, but that was after Syracuse had already won eight games. So it, it kind of makes sense that they wanted to see a little bit of evidence before they fully bought into this team. But, J.D., when you look at this class, it's heavy defense. Twelve of the 17 guys who signed on Wednesday play on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but we want to start on offense. And one guy who really stands out, mentioned him earlier, Jawar Jordan. Jawar Jordan, originally a 2018 commit. He told us last National Signing Day, last early National Signing Day, 
hey, I've got some things to figure out. I'm likely going to be signing my paperwork in February. February comes, he's still not eligible. He has some academic issues. He moved from Long Island to Arizona, so across the country, right at the beginning of his high school career, he had some issues academically. He had to retake some classes that he hadn't done so well in his freshman year, but now he's ready to go. He got cleared by the NCAA late this year in September. He's ready to go. He'll be in Syracuse. He'll be an early enrollee. He is great to go. Brings a great dimension, a speed back to this offense, and that's what we've been asking for a little bit. We have a little bit of the power back. You you see Jarvion Howard, Dante Strickland, even Mo Neal at times was a power back. Jawar Jordan is your change of speed guy. His Twitter handle, Cuts on Dime, describes him absolutely perfectly, and he's a really great player, really great kid, and I got a chance to talk with him on National Signing Day. Jawar, congrats on the commitment, and welcome to Syracuse. Thank you. So it's been an interesting path for you to come to Syracuse. Originally a member of the class of 2018, you were committed to the Orange. You got an offer from Texas on early National Signing Day last year. There were some questions as to whether or not you were going to stick with Syracuse. You do. You were going to sign in February at the second signing period. Then you had some eligibility concerns with academics and things like that. But you get cleared. You get through all that. And still you're sticking with Syracuse in your second go-around what made you stick with the Orange? Uh, you know, uh, Syracuse made it seem like I was a family member to them already before I had committed. And speaking with, I met with Coach Coach Lynch. I talked to Coach Lynch, Coach Davis, Coach Bowler, all of them, and they all welcome. They're very welcoming, and I'm just blessed to able to join the Orange. And you were supposed to sign last February, like we said, but then you had some eligibility issues with academics. You had to retake a couple of classes that you didn't do so great in after you moved from Long Island to Arizona, but you get cleared by the NCAA late this year. What was that feeling like? Was there just a pressure and some just weight taken off your shoulders when you got cleared by the NCAA? Yeah, you know, it was a process, and thank God that I took to my words and kept pushing, and um, I'm just happy I made it. It's been long but and frustrating, but, you know, I had to do what I had to do to get here, and now I'm glad that it's all said and done and it's official. So you've taken the last year off to focus on academics, and you haven't played organized football, but how have you stayed in football shape and trained during that time off trying to get those grades up? I've been training with Coach Larry Graham. He's like the best. He's the best trainer out here in Arizona. He trains. He trains the best, like Nikhil Harry from the ASU, who's possibly a first rounder this year in the NFL draft. He trains uh, Brock Purdy, quarterback from Iowa State. He's doing a fantastic job over there, and he's been training me and getting me right and preparing me for the next level. Excited definitely to have you here, and it's a little bit of a coming back home story for you. Originally from Long Island, you moved out to Arizona at the beginning of high school. How excited are you to be able to come back and play for a team from your home state? It's, it's a blessing, especially when I have friends and family that want to be able to see me play ball at the next level, and I just can't wait for them to actually see me. And looking at your physical attributes here, you're kind of known for your quickness, your shiftiness, your breakaway speed. You're really a speed back, and 
you know, the moniker here is orange is the new fast. How do you think your skill set fits into the offense at Syracuse? Orange is the new fast. Basically, it's, it says it in the name, fast, and, you know, everyone knows I'm fast. So, you know, we're going to bring that, that speed back into the Syracuse offense. And We've got to talk your Twitter game. First off, great handle. Cuts on dime. Give him a follow. Fantastic handle. No doubt. Perfectly describes who he is as a football player. But I want to talk about a couple of your tweets. First one is a quote tweet from you you had a few days ago. It's of Dino Baber's intro press conference when he was first introduced as the head coach at Syracuse. And you said, who wouldn't want to play for this man? What makes Dino such an intriguing coach to play for? Well, you know Coach Baber, he's all in. And you can tell that he cares about his, uh, his, his team. He speaks Ohana and he lives Ohana. I'm just thankful for a coach like him. And what does Ohana mean to you? It means that you're a family. and uh, Not too many people see you as family and live by that. You can, you can say family all you want, but it's nothing until you live it. And Coach Baird was living. And then there's a picture that you tweeted last month. You were on your visit to Syracuse, and two fellow 2019 commits, linebackers Lee Kapagba and Michael Jones, were in it with you. Have you gotten close with those guys? And, you know, what kind of impact do you think this class, this 2019 class, can have on the program? Yes, sir, of course. Uh, me, Lee, and Michael, we spend a lot of time together. Those are really cool, down-to-earth guys, and I know they're coming to ready, they're ready to work and I can't wait to hit the field on them with them. And um, they're going to do a lot of damage on the field, I already know. And I just can't wait to see them perform at their best. Jawar Jordan, a year later than we expected, but still coming to Syracuse. Jawar, congrats on the commitment. Congrats on coming to Syracuse. We're looking forward to having you, and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Jawar is going to be a great change of pace back for Syracuse in the next couple of years. Might not play right away because of guys like Abdul Adams and Jarvion Howard who are going to be ahead of him in terms of the depth chart. But next couple of years, maybe his sophomore, junior, senior year, he's going to be a really important member of the stable of running backs for Syracuse. And another reason why he might not contribute right away is he's still pretty small. I mean, you watch his highlight tape, and obviously everyone's highlights are going to make them look good. That's why they're called highlights. But his speed really does jump off the screen. This is one of the fastest players, really, that was playing in Arizona. He's one of the fastest guys in this recruiting class, maybe the fastest guy for Syracuse. He's one of those dudes where he just makes angles evaporate just like that like even if a defender says all right I'm gonna I'm gonna bite the bullet and sacrifice a 50 yard gain here they still can't catch a guy like Jordan but he is only five foot 10 160 pounds although I love what you say about how he can be a nice change of pace guy because if you think about it the Syracuse backfield of the future and keep in mind it's not the end of the world to use three different running backs because you're running at such a fast pace these guys are going to get tired so you have your power back in Jarvion Howard who as a true freshman was really your short yardage back as the season progressed. Bulky kid. Yeah, I mean, he, I love what he did at Wake Forest when he did the uh, the car celebration because he kind of reminds me of like a Mack truck. Mack truck, When yeah. you take him on the one or two yard line. So there's your short yardage back. Your all-around guy is Abdul Adams, who really is probably the most talented guy of the three. 
great. I mean, he was an Oklahoma commit, four-star guy coming out of high school. He should be able to do it all. And by the way, had success at Oklahoma before transferring with a couple of big-time plays. And then Jordan's going to be the speed guy who should be able to catch some passes too. So a really exciting running back group of the future for Syracuse. Jawar Jordan is one of those guys in this class for 2019. Enough about offense, though. Let's talk about defense on the other side. This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back on the score, 1260, back on Orange Fizz Radio, taking you until 10 o'clock, talking all things Syracuse sports with a focus on recruiting. Drew Carter back alongside J.D. Rachi And, J.D., we already talked about the offensive side of this class of 2019 for Syracuse football, most of whom just inked those letters of intent a couple of days ago on Wednesday. Now let's move to the defensive side, which is really the focus of this class of 2019 for Dino Babers and company. Only five guys play offense out of 17 who signed on Wednesday. So that leaves 12 guys on defense. We'll run through them real quick. A couple of outside linebackers at the top of the class. Michael Jones, the only consensus four-star recruit in the class, followed by Lee Koba, a linebacker out of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Then Cornelius Nunn, a safety. And Jeff Canton, another outside linebacker out of Canada. You go down the line, a lot Lots of defensive talent here, really filling some needs. Yeah, exactly what you want to see from Syracuse. You think of the guys that they're going to be losing the next couple of years. You're going to be losing Ryan Guthrie and Kylan Whitner at the linebacker position. Well, slide in Michael Jones and Lee Koba for the future. That's exactly what you need. Then you think a couple of years down the line, you're going to be losing DNs. You're going to be losing. Uh, you're going to be losing Alton Robinson and Kendall Coleman. You slide in a guy like Drew Tuizama, who's maybe one of the more mm-hmm. underrated guys in this class, or Ishmael Goldborn, another underrated guy in this class toward the bottom of the list, but guys that you can develop over the next few years that can become great edge rushers for this Syracuse team in the future. They had so much success with that this season. Why not carry that tradition on? Then you go back to the defensive backfield. You think, okay, out of that, those two positions, being safety and corner, where are you going to start losing guys first? It's going to be at safety. Evan Foster is going to graduate eventually and guys like that. So you're going to, you're going to have to slide in some safeties in there. you got Cornelius Nunn, your third best recruit. He's a safety. Dorian Hewitt, another safety. Amon Greenwood in the middle pack, upper middle pack of this recruiting class for Syracuse, also a safety. SU did a great job recruiting to fill needs this year. That's why I'm so impressed and so happy with what SU did with this class. It might not be upper echelon in the ACC, but you got what you needed if you're Dino Babers. He did a great job with that. Yeah, you've got a lot of athletes. You've got a lot of dome dudes, as Dino Babers likes to call them. These guys are going to be flying around. And the headliner, we've talked about him a few times, is Michael Jones. Gracious enough to give us some time on his very special day. Spoke with our very own Tyler Rocky on Wednesday. Up next on the National Signing Day special here at Orange Fizz, we've got the prize of the class, Michael Jones, a linebacker from IMG Academy. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Now, i got to start with this. You're not the typical Syracuse player. When a lot of people look at your recruiting profile, they'll probably think, this guy's too good to be going to SU. Why did you pick the Orange? I feel like I feel, I think Syracuse could be the best for me. Like, I, I want to say, like, I'm like too big for the school or anything. I feel like I'm not too big for anything. But I feel like that's it's definitely an opportunity at Syracuse. And it gotta start somewhere, I guess. Like if Syracuse going in the right direction, I didn't really realize like I was a big recruit. I was one of the biggest recruits until like probably two weeks ago. I feel like we gotta get more recruits, more big recruits. So I gotta start somewhere. I guess I'm jumping it off. Yeah, you're actually one of the top twenty recruits this university's had since 2000, so you're certainly going to be a headliner once you get to once you get here. Yeah, how does it feel? Do you, do you get some type of pressure based off of that? 
Um, I feel like, like with my family, they gave, never gave me pressure. Wherever I decided to go, wherever I would went, if I would went anywhere else, they would have been behind me. I feel like I'm getting out. No, no pressure from nobody. Like I just, I feel like I, it was a good decision. Everybody been telling me it's a pretty good decision. I got a chance to go out there and play early and make an impact. That's what I plan on doing. Now, when you think of Syracuse football in this day and age, you're thinking offense. Why do you, as a high-profile defensive player, want to come to Syracuse and try to impact the defense, knowing that the offense is going to be the talk of the town at all times? Uh, what a lot of people, like, well, some people probably realize that, yeah, the offense, they're very fast, and they get on the field, and they score very quick. And the defense got to come back on the, right back on the field. A lot of people don't realize that that defense is holding up. Like that's, that's a very solid defense. And if I go there, learn learn the whole defense, learn the whole program, help that defense get better, and we we'll have a, a, a great size offense and defense. Like getting them off the field, putting them more points, just going out there balling. They already got great athletes. I'm happy I get to play play with them. So you get to go up against some of the best players in college football. You're going to play against Clemson, Florida State, Miami, and whatnot in the ACC year in and year out. How ready are you for that challenge? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm, definitely, I'm real ready for that challenge. I'm ready to play every single big school. I'm ready to play those schools, win the ACC championship, play even bigger schools, take them down. Because in order to be the best, you got to beat the best. I'm ready to beat all those teams. Continue to see these next three to four years. A couple of the other teams on here that offered you were Clemson and Georgia. What did Syracuse offer that those two schools couldn't? Um, Clemson is a nice school I visited last year, like my sophomore year, a little bit throughout my sophomore year. And they had good coaches. I feel like I developed a way better relationship with Coach Monroe, Coach Lustig, and all the coaches up there. And also, like, Clemson, like, I, I'm I'm not afraid of any type of competition. I'll go anywhere and start. But one thing Syracuse offered that was very important to Clemson, like, way more important than what Clemson was offering, was, like, opportunity to play early. Now, you're a guy who could come in and potentially start on day one. You're enrolling early and all that. How important do you feel like, the, or maybe not how important it is, but how good of a chance would you say you have to start on day one? With my mindset, like I don't even want to. I know I have a big chance to start, but right now I'm just thinking about securing the bag. I'm not going to like, even think about it until I just go in and compete every single day. I want to go there. Like, I won't even mind if I go up there last on the depth chart. I just want to work my way up and earn it first, and then step on it and then execute from there. Well, you really like to hear that type of determination out of a player like you. Now, you, you come from IMG Academy. A couple of IMG guys are on the roster right now. How much did maybe that play into your decision to play with some of your former teammates? Uh, definitely. Definitely, like, well, Andre Cisco, he out there, he's doing everything. Everybody know about him. He's doing everything. He he's the talk of the do. town right now. Well, a lot of, yeah, a lot of people didn't expect him to do any of that. I feel like that's traumatizing on my story. A lot of people like to doubt I feel like he, him going up there, giving an opportunity, he took it. I could be able to do the same thing. 
yeah, they play it did play a little role because you like to go somewhere where you comfortable and you already know somewhere and then you know like those are my brothers I actually played with them a whole season and with the IMG like IMG is a little bit different like we lived together on campus in high school so we actually like brothers like we were, you would be in college by the earlier age away from my parents like a, a time where we were supposed to be at regular high schools so we we was with each other 24-7 me rooms school practice traveling away so I knew they weren't allowed to be. So whatever they told me about the school, it was all good things, and I, I believed it. Now, IMG Academy may be a foreign concept to a, a, the casual football fan. Can you explain to the people at home what is the difference from IMG Academy to your traditional four-year high school? Um, it is it's quite different. Um, our regular high school you you'll probably wake up somewhere between 7, 8.30 in the morning, and then you'll go to school throughout, like, the whole day to around, around 2.33, and then you'll have practice in the afternoon, then you get dismissed. IMG Academy, it's a boarding school in Bradyton, Florida. you probably wake up around 6, 6 o'clock every morning, go to treatment, have have meetings around 7.30 for about an hour, go on the field about around 8.30 and practice or go in the weight room and do some type of field activity for about two hours, like towards football, only football if you play football. And then you have a short window from like around 11.30 to 1, 1 o'clock to eat, shower, make sure you got everything straight for school, and then school starts at 1. 1, 1.15 to 5.45. Then after that, we have meetings around 6 to the meetings can last up to 6 to 8.30 sometimes, or 6 to 8. And then you get something to eat, and then you do your homework. So it's, it's like a college schedule, but in high school. And there's some kids that go there from ninth grade. I started my junior year, but yeah, it's a process. Like You got to be very dedicated, because just, just from when I got there last September, I seen a lot of people come in and out real quick because they couldn't, they couldn't keep up with it. Like they weren't dedicated enough, or it was just too hard for some. They they wasn't ready for it at the time. So you got to be strong minded to be in the whole process and stick to it. Wow, that is a crazy schedule. Really I mean, good. you're you're talking about like a 12, 13, 14 hour day. Yeah, every day of the week, five days a week, no days off. Wow, that, that's that's very strong minded. I'm sure Syracuse fans certainly no weekdays off. Yeah. Syracuse fans certainly looking forward to that. Now, one thing that Dino Babers talked about today in his press conference was the fact that a lot of guys who committed closer towards the day of signing are part of what he likes to call the 9-3 and three cycle, where you guys maybe base a little bit of your decision off of the fact that this was a 9-3 and three football team, whereas the fact that guys who committed over the summer were committing based off the fact that it was a 4-8 and eight football team. How much did the team's success this year impact your decision to come to the Orange? I feel like your success did have an impact on my decision this year because I saw that it was doing good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it had a huge impact, but the fact that it was having a good season, it definitely impacted my decision because I wouldn't go to any like, so say Syracuse was like one, one and nine. This season would have been a little harder because I would have wanted to be going in the place who's headed in the right direction and not the wrong direction. 
However, I was watching them last year, and Coach Monroe has been a part of my recruiting process since my sophomore year. Every time I think of a top school in my head, Syracuse is always in that top school. And as far as loyalty with me, it means a lot. And for him to stay consistent throughout the whole process, because there has been like some coaches who haven't been like consistent throughout the whole process. I feel like that meant a lot of my process, too. When you look at the success, I mean, it's night and day. W- would you have committed to this team if they put together a 4-8 and eight season this year? Um, I'm not sure, because I think a lot of it was a hard process. I, I really I can't tell you like how things would have went different. But I know I trust this team to be the best team it could possibly be these next three to four years. Now, I, I was watching the, the little intro videos that Syracuse Recruiting puts together for all you guys where the coaches come in and, and say some stuff about each player. And one thing I noticed that Brian Ward said was that you could play either inside linebacker spot. Is that a sign that maybe a 3-4 defense or a different defensive scheme is on the way for this team? Um, I don't think so. I feel like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not even sure. I feel like I can... Like, it ties into the one they played last year. And, like, when I sat down with him on the board on my official visit, he showed me how I could, like, play what other linebackers had played. Then again, I feel like we do have athletes for that, like, where that could possibly happen. So I just be prepared for it, honestly. Now, I want to get to know you a little bit, the Michael Jones off the field. What are you like when you're not playing football? And it doesn't seem like you have a lot of time to be not playing football with the IMG schedule, but when you do. Yeah, I do. I'm chill. I, I usually hang around everybody. I, I don't really have no problems with everybody. I get around with any type of group. I probably make people laugh. I'm good vibes. I bring a lot of people together. Do you have any hidden talents <laughs> or things that people don't know about you? Uh, I, hit I like to swim. I like being from Miami. I like to swim a lot. I'm a good swimmer. Really? Yeah. So I saw that Dino Babers in his introductory tweet to you, it said something about you flossing the dome. Does that mean you're a dancer too? <laughs> no, but I can't dance a little bit. I might just dance. We'll see. I might just pop it out. So, so what did you think of all the, those Dino Babers tweets that he does for each single recruit that is coming to Syracuse. That man is hilarious. <laughs> that man is hilarious. Man. Who had those that he cares about us too because like not a lot of coaches too much going on social media, but it's the fact that coach knows that social media is like our generation and that's how we communicate and that's how like people see what's going on. So he takes the time out of his day to actually get on social media and interact with us. I feel like that means a lot too. Shows the type of coach he is. Who had the funniest one or the best one that you saw? I think, I'm not sure what language it was in, but the fact that it was in a whole different language, I oh, find that funny. <laughs> it was one I of the Canadian even, guys, I yeah. I couldn't read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. All right, Michael, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Best of luck moving forward, and we're looking forward to seeing you next semester here at Syracuse. Next one, yes, sir. That's Michael Jones, a linebacker who's exciting not just because of what he can do on the field, but because of all the pun opportunities, J.D. You know that song, Mr. Jones, by Mike Jones? Mr. Jones and me, that one? No, 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 no. You're thinking of Counting Crows. Another Uh, great song. Great song. You gotta love Adam Duritz, but I'm thinking of You Can Ride All Day Long. Day Long. 
But you'll never... You don't know that song? I don't think so. Mr. Jones by Mike Jones? I don't think I've ever heard of it. All right, well, you've got to go listen to it. Folks at home, if you've never heard that song, go listen to it. But Dino Babers has kind of become notorious for his tweets on National Signing Day. And I think that was one of my favorite. I think that might have been my favorite one. My favorite one was Adrian Cole, another defensive player, a cornerback, uh, that he tweeted about. He said, finally, after 38 years, we're getting AC, Adrian Cole, get it? In the carrier dome. That's great. Great stuff. It's a it's a funny tweet, but I'm saying I think that's a pretty it's a pretty mainstream take. That is you. a mainstream it's a basic take, but, take. But what else is new? I, I mean, that's so facts. That's so true. <laughs> I love I love Michael Jones, Mr. Jones by Mike Jones, one of my favorite songs. You go check it out, JD. Listeners at home, go check that out. We're gonna take a short break. We'll give you some time to listen to Mr. Jones by Mike Jones. Come back with us for some Syracuse basketball talk. Oh this boy. is Fizz Radio on the score twelve sixty. All right, Syracuse basketball fans reaching for their best friend this time of year. It is the panic button because SU SU floundering right now in non-conference play. Not living up to expectations, not even close. We're going to break it down now on Fizz Radio with J.D. Rachi. I'm Drew Carter. And, J.D., Syracuse now up to four non-conference losses. They've lost back-to-back home non-conference games for the first time really ever. It hasn't happened since 1975 when they weren't even in a conference. So you could say that all those games were, in quotes, non-conference games. Ever since they joined the Big (laughs) East in 1979, it has never happened. So it's fair to say Syracuse is making ignominious history right now. The Cuse at 7-4 and four, need a bounce back today against Arkansas State. They should get it. You look at those, You'd red, hope so. you look at those red Wolves, they're outside the top 250 per KenPom.com, which to of me course. is gospel. So yes, I'm going to say that if Syracuse doesn't win, then the sky truly is falling. But already, J.D., they lose to Old Dominion. You're in need of a bounce back against Buffalo. I think it would have been a little bit different if you had taken care of business against Old Dominion. Then you could look at that Buffalo loss and say, all right, well, UB's top 15 in the country. They're still undefeated. They went into Morgantown, beat West Virginia, who Put most people would say. 99 against right. West Virginia. One player at 43 points, C.J. Massenburg, is a superstar, going to play in the league one day. But after you, after you lose to Old Dominion, you're thinking maybe Syracuse goes full undertaker, rises off the mat, and brings it after they play down to their competition for really the entire season. And they've been doing this for four years now. I mean, you go back to the Cornell game earlier this year, played down to their competition. They almost lost that game. This time against Buffalo, you're hoping that they play up to the competition against a team in UB. It sounds crazy to say, but Buffalo now better than Syracuse on paper by every a metric. better. And they really don't. I mean, they, they put up a good fight, still a double-figure loss, and now Syracuse fans are panicking, maybe rightfully so. Yeah, probably, considering Buffalo, I mean, this is a team that is up on is on the rise, certainly, but Syracuse is supposed to be better than Buffalo. I yeah. mean, now Syracuse has four non-conference losses. You know what they've never done with four non-conference losses? Make the tournament. Make the NCAA tournament. They are in absolute disarray right now. Nothing is going well. They played well in the first half. They forced nine turnovers against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. The defense was really, really good in the first half. They held them to like 35% shooting. This is a Buffalo team. Less than 30%. Team. This Less is a, than 30%. Right, and this is a Buffalo team that was coming into the game scoring 85 points a game. So if you thought to yourself, wow, we only we held them to 71, mm-hmm. that's great for Syracuse. Yeah. Not when you're putting up 59 right. and you only score 23 in the second half. They get outscored by, what, 16 points in the second half? Yeah. That is abysmal. I mean, the offense is just really, really bad. They can't get anything going. It's either Tyus Battle has 25 or they don't win. Yeah. It's a problem. I mean, it's that, a real problem. Four it is guys, the problem. Four guys scored in double figures against Buffalo. 
they still only put up 59 points. That's bad. It's brutal. And I thought what the Buffalo coach, Nate Oates, who, by the way, is a rising star in, in college coach. And that that guy whole program is, awesome. is on the up and up. Yeah, he's he's great. Weird flex here. Got a chance to talk with him after the game. Wow. For just really briefly, Tyler Rocky and I did. Another Fizz guy. Wow. He was so gracious. He was the man. But what he said after the game that I found so interesting is he goes, ah, well, they'll probably make the tournament they do every year. They'll probably make the Sweet 16 they do every year. And I was thinking, is that really true? Do we really think this team's going to make the tournament? Because what Jim Beheim said on the flip side was also fascinating. We're going to play it here in a moment. Jim Beheim may be kind of recalibrating expectations for his team this season. The expectations are all based on we won three games last year. We lost 14 games last year in the regular season. We have the same team back with some help, but it's the same team that lost 14 games. So there's a reason we lost 14 games. So there you have it. And in hindsight, not to play Captain Hindsight here, one of my favorite superheroes, but he's right. I mean, we we probably overrate experience in college basketball. And one side of this, J.D., is, all right, well, nobody sticks around in college hoops anymore in the one-and-done era, so maybe it's more valuable. But the other side is there's so much more talent in college basketball the now. One and done teams, it doesn't matter. The one-and-done teams are the ones that are winning. Right, but here's the thing. You just lost to a Buffalo team where they've got five seniors, and they're so good because they're gritty, they hustle. I don't think anyone would question that, despite the fact that Buffalo came in undefeated and Syracuse already had three losses, had their backs against the ropes, Buffalo wanted it more. And Something's so, got to change so for Syracuse. So where's where does the blame lie there? We're going to talk about that in Fizz feedback coming up next on on Fizz Radio. But I mean, right now, I think the offense has to be the number one issue. The defense, I think, is actually pretty good. The, de- the defense is okay, but it's always going to be okay to good. Right, That's because what you're the zone get. the zone is the great equalizer in the tournament, but in the regular season, the zone's going to keep you in games, especially when you play a slow pace. But on offense, right now, there's no movement, and I, I had a Kind of an epiphany earlier this week, J.D., when you heard Quad A. Green is going to Washington, shout out Mike Hopkins, instead of coming to Syracuse after transferring from Kentucky. And I was like, who cares? He comes to Syracuse, what's he going to do? Stand around? Wait for the ball 25 feet from the basket? That's the most frustrating thing about this team is sometimes they've got great movement. And then other times they just stand there and they don't do anything. The system right now is that there's no system. It's iso ball. It's hero ball. Which doesn't work. You you need, I mean, you need to have Duke level talent for that to work in the ACC, and Syracuse doesn't. And so, whether you think that's a coaching issue, whether you think that's a players' issue, either way, the offense has to improve right now. Has to be better. It just has to be. And the guy that I really think needs to step up is O'Shea Brissett. He's had some really really good games this season, and then he missed a wide open dunk against Buffalo. Yeah. He missed a bunch of free throws against Buffalo. West. He's got to start taking over games like Tyus Battle. He's got the ability. We've seen it from him. He's yeah. a really good basketball player. Start taking over games. Start being the second best player on this team like you're supposed to be. And then I think, and, and all, all the blame is on O'Shea. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying he's a guy that you need to step up. Also, they've got to start knocking down the free throws. Yeah. Last two games between Old Dominion and Buffalo, they've missed 20 free throws. 27 of 47 from the free throw line. Yeah. That is bad. 5 of 13 against Buffalo. Not good. That's just putrid. And let's put this in perspective now. You said Syracuse has never lost four non-conference games and still made the NCAA tournament. Last year, I think this is going to surprise some people, they only lost two non-conference games, and they still got the very last at-large bid. That's after going 8-10 and 10 in ACC play. 
What about this year's team suggests that they're going to go above 500 in ACC play? Nothing. Almost nothing. I mean, you look at Maybe the ACC. Maybe a weaker ACC. It's low, but it's still loaded. It's I mean, still very. The ACC is stacked every season. You mm-hmm. need you need to find easy wins on the schedule, and it's really hard to do that in this conference. And Jim, what Jim Beheim said was really enlightening. He said, "Look at the look at the teams we've lost to. They're all good teams. UConn's good. Oregon's good with Bull Bull. Fine." Buffalo is really good. They're not as good as ACC teams. They're, and, and, Buffalo's and, the best best loss they've had this season. But if, if, if you're saying that UConn's a good team and we lost to them, all right, that's okay. But that's not going to fly. I mean, you if still have to win. If you're not going to beat teams better than you, this team won't make the tournament. And that's the cold reality for Syracuse fans, especially when coming in you thought this might be one of the best teams that they've had in recent memory. So disappointing start for Syracuse. They've got Arkansas State later today. Maybe a bounce back potential for the Orange. One last break on Fizz Radio. Come back with us. We're going to hear from your thoughts. You guys can sound off a lot of Fizz feedback to get to this week. Stick around on the Score 1260. Few minutes left here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. I'm Drew Carter back alongside JD Rachi. Let's get right into Fizz feedback. No time to mess around this week, JD, because people are hot and bothered. Yeah, they are about not Syracuse basketball. too pleased right, with Syracuse ahead. basketball. What so, what is SU's biggest problem right now? We had play of the centers can't close out games. Shooting other comment below. Thirty-five percent of the vote goes to play of the centers and shooting, but. The big thing here, we had 374 votes on this poll, one of our best polls ever. There were 26 replies as to what else was going wrong. No passion, ball movement, half-court offense, too much one-on-one, free throws, offense, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people, a lot of people not pleased with Jim Beheim right now. Mm-hmm. Cuse Thoughts says, this is a trick question, right? Right? It's the coach. Blames everyone else except himself. That's the problem. I don't really necessarily agree with this. I yeah. understand that when you're the head coach of a major Division One basketball program that is such high profile as Syracuse, a lot of the blame is going to go to you. Mm-hmm. And I think Jim Beheim has multiple times throughout the last couple of years fallen on the sword and said, hey, I have not gotten these guys in a place where they needed to be so that they could succeed at a high level. But at some point, the inability to put the ball in the basket – comes down to players making poor decisions and not taking good shots. Way yeah. too many contested jumpers against Buffalo. I think there's a little bit of truth to both sides of this argument where you watch Syracuse play, it's easy to point at the coach and say, well, nobody's moving, that's on you on the sidelines. But at the same time, watch a game like Buffalo and tell me, what is Buffalo running that's so profound? I mean, in, in 2018-19, even in the college game, I mean, at the NBA game, it's a lot of free movement. The only time you really see drawn-up plays, aside from horns with two guys at the elbows, is in baseline out-of-bounds and sideline out-of-bounds. ATOs. I mean, you're going, you're looking at screen and roll, screen and roll, screen and roll. And that's fine. Maybe an elevator doors here and there. But Syracuse doesn't run anything, so I think partially on the players, partially on the coaching. But, J.D., real quick, the one thing that really got me in that Buffalo game, about 50 seconds left, game slipping away. Syracuse, after a timeout, that ATO that everyone loves to talk about, they come out with a baseline out of bounds and run nothing. Nothing. That that's, was just them throwing in the towel. That's that where I, I – sure. That's, but that's where I would want to see Which at least is frustrating some, in and some, type, some type of set. And, and that's been really, really upsetting. A little bit of coaching, probably a little bit of players. And we talked about the panic button, Drew. We asked, is it time to push the panic button? 
76% of the poll says, yes, panic mode for Syracuse totally basketball. Fair. We Let's talked about to... the tournament stats in the last segment. You lose four non-conference games, you need to rip through the ACC. That'll be tough. Exactly. Let's go to Syracuse football. A little bit of bowl talk. How do you think the bowl is going to pan out? The Camping World Bowl coming up later this week. Blowout win, close win, blowout loss, close loss. 70% of people think it's going to be a close win for Syracuse. I tend to agree. Me too. Then we're going to look at the recruiting class for Syracuse football over this National Signing Day coming up on last Wednesday. Who's the most underrated recruit? A guy we didn't talk about, but the story of National mm-hmm. Signing Day. Cooper Dawson, a defensive end. If you haven't seen what he did, check out our thread and check out Tyler's interview with Cooper Dawson. Great kid, great story. Absolutely awesome. He'll be great. Which Syracuse recruit are you most excited to see play? 54% Michael Jones, the top guy in the class, the linebacker who we heard from Tyler, Tyler talk to earlier. Really great kid, going to be a great linebacker for them. And 32%, Cornelius Nunn, mm-hmm. playmaker, safety down in Florida. He committed to Syracuse, decommitted, back to Miami. And then what grade would you give the overall recruiting class? 70% say B. I tend to agree. I think that's pretty much spot on. you got a couple wrecking balls on defense, and Nunn and Jones should be a fun future for Syracuse. Football, fun present for Syracuse basketball, hopefully today against Arkansas State. That one coming up this afternoon. So for J.D. Rachi, I'm Drew Carter. Signing off, this has been Fizz Radio on the Score 1260.